1: Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. And tonight, we have a very special show for you. We are joined by the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the greatest of all time the best there was the best there is the best there ever will be the ceo and owner of the finsider.com kevin nogal he will be joining us throughout the show tonight kevin welcome and we're glad to have you here on finsider radio
0: hey happy to be here it's uh, kind of like the homecoming a little bit
1: it, it is and and as you all know kevin at twitter is at the finsider and he runs the finsider.com and about two and a half years ago, he approached me and said, Matt, I want you to run uh, the Finnsider uh, podcast. And I said, all right, who am I going to host with? And he said, uh, this dude named Sutton. He's really bad, <laughs> but you're going to teach him along the ropes. We had another guy there who flaked out after about a few weeks. Uh, he's back in it, though he's, he's doing well now. And then uh, when, when he flaked out, uh, Kevin said, I have this guy, Houts. And me and Sutton were like, well, we want to pick our own guy. And uh, Kevin's like, no, we want to give Houts a try. We want to give him a shot. And then we gave House a shot, and I think it was 10 minutes into the show, something where we said, all right, House, I think you're our guy. I think you're going to be the one. And we've been going strong ever since two and a half years, I believe it's been. Um, we've seen shows come and go across the Dolphins' internet. Uh, some shows stay out there. Some shows, many shows don't. So I'm pretty uh, happy that all three of us have been able to stay together. And Kevin, that's huge thanks to you for seeing the vision on this and then bringing us along and making us work together for a little bit. And now here we are. And now you're joining us and you're in the presence of probably the three greatest uh, podcasters on the internet today. That's so,
0: that's how I always try to talk about you guys.
1: <laughs> you should be honored to be here. All right. We're going to talk about, we're just going to kind of have a laid back conversation here we're about three weeks away from the NFL draft. Um, you've seen me tweeted out. You've seen others like Kevin tweeted out. You've seen it all over the place. The dolphins are not leaking things anymore. It's very hard to get information Um, They have tightened things up down in Davie, Florida. That is obviously a huge credit to Brian Flores and Chris Greer and Marvin Allen and Reggie McKenzie. It's like pulling teeth to get information, and many people are not speaking anymore. So when we say that we don't know what the Dolphins draft plans are, we don't know what the Dolphins draft plans are, and we're not going to pretend that we know what they are either. Uh, You've seen Daniel Jeremiah come out the other day saying he's hearing talk that the Dolphins will not be drafting a quarterback. Well. Of course, that's what everyone's saying right now. That's what the brass is saying in Miami publicly. So that's just kind of running along with the reporters. The fact is, though, that nobody really knows what the Dolphins will do if Dwayne Haskins is there at 13 or if he's there within shooting range of the Dolphins to trade up a few picks and get Dwayne Haskins and possibly make him their franchise quarterback. None of us know. And the Dolphins are in draft meetings, and they'll be finalizing their board over the next few weeks. So that's another thing. If, if you hear somebody say that, that they know the Dolphins draft board, they don't. We know who the Dolphins might like right now, like a Montez Sweat, like a Brian Burns, like a Rashawn Gary. We know they like them. We know that based on what we've heard before uh, Flores came in, the general thinking was that they wanted to draft a quarterback on day two. Um, so that's kind of still in play. We don't know if plans have changed. We won't know until draft tonight. It's kind of brand new to see what these uh, guys are going to do working together. We know that Chris Greer didn't have a ton of input under the regime of Mike Tannenbaum and Adam Gase. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. So, Kevin, I'm going to throw it right to you. Um, And like I said to everyone else, if you're listening here, we're just going to kind of shoot the crap a little bit tonight. We're going to just throw things around. We're going to really talk about the draft, hone in on the draft, hone in on a few prospects we think the Dolphins might like and kind of just give our thoughts on where we think the Dolphins will go with this whole thing. So Kevin, I'm putting you on the spot first. Um, Dwayne Haskins, quarterback. If he's there at 13, if he's within striking distance, do you think the Dolphins draft him? And if not, who do you think is a good option for the Dolphins to uh, groom behind Ryan Fitzpatrick and possibly the next quarterback in 2020?
0: I think that I think that It it comes down to what everybody's going to say. If they love him, they go and get him. And I think Haskins is a guy that he has the potential. He absolutely could be the pick. And if he's there at 13 for whatever reason, or if there's a trade up to 9, 10, 11, somewhere around there, obviously the bills are involved there. So you don't necessarily see that trade happening. But if you like him that much and you can get up there without spending a whole lot, there's no way I'm jumping up to, five, six, seven to try to get him. But if you can trade up a little bit and you can get him, I won't argue against it. I do not want them to trade up. I think this is the perfect trade the perfect draft to trade down, especially since they're clearly stockpiling those 2020 picks. But at 13, if they aren't going quarterback, my thought is and I I, I don't think there's a wrong choice between offensive line, defensive tackle, or defensive end. I think that that's absolutely where the team has to look. But my my pick, and I don't know if he'll be there, but my pick would be Ed Oliver. I absolutely love Ed Oliver.
2: Uh, we were just talking about him before the show, what you're – Kind of contemplating whether he'd even drop to us, it would f- feels a little bit of a pipe dream right now that he would fall down to thirteen, but we've seen crazier things happen with the dolphins and even recent miss uh re- recent memory. Kevin, there are thirty two roster spots open for the Miami dolphins. <laughs> Where are all these bodies gonna come from bro i
0: they are going to be
2: busy with
0: undrafted free agents. It's going to be insane because, and I do think that another part of this is they're still going to sign some veterans. I don't think they're done doing that yet, but I think they're just waiting for, I think the date is the second Tuesday after the draft. I think that's when it usually is um, for the uh, compensatory picks deadline to hit. And once they do that, I think you're going to see some guys get picked. And I, and I think yep. that there's some big guys out there and that's, My guess is that's part of why guys like and Sue are still unsigned because there are teams that don't – he may get a big contract out there, but he's not going to get one and take away somebody's compensatory pick.
3: I just want to circle back to Dwayne Haskins because before we got on the air, I think it came out that the Detroit Lions, along with every team in the NFL, are trying to trade back in this year's draft. I mean, if Haskins falls to eight and they believe he's their guy, and like Kevin said, if the compensation's not too much, move up there, get this guy – Have your quarterback to build upon. He can sit behind Fitzpatrick. It's kind of the ideal situation. But we got to talk about pass rusher because this team has no one outside of Charles Harris. They just moved Robert Quinn for what seems like a pack of stale crackers. So, Kevin, what are the Dolphins going to do at edge rusher?
0: I think that I wouldn't be surprised if William Hayes is re-signed. And granted, he's not a true pass rusher. He's more of a uh, run stopper. He's probably a really good... 3-4 style defensive end. He's a good 4-3 defensive tackle, giving you some pass rush ability. So I think he probably ends up re-signed at some point. I think that he's just out there. um, And I think he is, he's not a starter. He's not a flashy guy. Um, After that, it's got to be draft. I think it has to be draft. And I just, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to come from. And I just, there are so many options that the dolphins could have done this year and the first of which would have been re-signed cam wake, but I, I don't know. I don't know what they do now that they're this far into free agency. And yeah, that cupboard at defensive end is really,
3: really bare. And one more thing I just want to throw to the three of you, uh, Charles Harris. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think he could be a natural fit at a three, four outside linebacker spot. I mean, that's kind of what he yeah. played there in college. So, I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that's optimistic, you know, I. I know he has me blocked on Twitter. That really hurts. I'm, I'm very upset about that. But the Dolphins need a pass rusher. And Charles Harris, I mean, this is his fit. If he's going to succeed, this is his chance. I think they give him this year. If he goes out there and, you know, if he replicates that six and a half sacks they just lost from uh, trading away Robert Quinn, I mean, I think everyone would be pretty happy about that.
2: I'll just throw real quick and then throw this to Kevin. It definitely seems like a coaching staff that – it's going to preach versatility and value versatility. And because of that, they are going to put people in positions where they're strong. So if there's going to be any coaching staff that identifies where Charles Harris, we're going to get the most from him. I believe it's going to be this coaching staff.
0: Yeah. I think that, I think that both of you are right. That Charles Harris, um, I think that's why, The coaching staff is already talking about him. They've brought him up. They've talked about how he's an interesting player who plays well in space. I think that he is the guy that if they do a 3-4 style, and with this coaching staff, I think they're going to play 4-3. They're going to play 3-4, two, seven, th- they're going to do all kinds of weird things that just throw people out there and put them in weird positions and you're going to see odd things. But I think that, yeah, I think that Charles Harris could play as a stand-up pass rusher better than he can as a, a hand-in-the-dirt type guy.
1: You look at the defensive ends in the upcoming NFL draft. If the Dolphins stay at 13, they're going to have their pick up the litter for sure. When you look at guys like, think Moe's okay. He's probably going two. I'm going to say Kyler Murray's going one overall. Then you got Nick Boza at two. And then when you look at like pure defensive ends, right? Like Quinn and Williams will probably go three or four right around there. Josh Allen might go to the Jets at three. If not, he's going to go top five. But then you got other guys who start falling in that 13 range. You got Claylin Farrell from Clemson. You got Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. You got Brian Burns from Florida State, who I know uh, Houts is high on. Uh, O'Shane Exemans from Old Dominion. And then here's an interesting one. Um, Don't forget about Jalen Ferguson, too, from Louisiana. Take Chase Winovich from Michigan. Here's an interesting one, though. Jakai Polite, who's all intents and purposes, had a rough go at this draft process. Um, People say his stock is falling a little bit. If the Dolphins like this guy, they can easily trade down, accumulate some picks for 2020 and possibly this year, and pick him. If they like a guy like Chase Winovich, they can drop down a few spots and pick him, too. So the Dolphins have so many holes, yes, and their most glaring one, I would say, and I would agree with you guys, is at defensive end because they let all their pass rushers go. But like you said, Kevin, Brian Flores is also going to have these guys flying all over the place, lining up in multiple positions. So it's not like we should really be getting stuck in the idea of, okay, this guy is a pure defensive end. It's really going to be multiple. That's why I kind of like – a guy like Ed Oliver that you said, but I don't think Ed Oliver is going to be there at 13 because he can play linebacker and defensive line. But Rashawn Gary is also someone who I think can kind of go along the defensive line area in a linebacker position. Um, I I do think there's a few guys who can play multiple positions, and I think that's where we should be putting our focus on is not really the guys who are pure DTs, pure DEs, but guys who can rotate between all different positions on the line and then drop back in a linebacker spot as well. How's I'm going to throw this to you because I know you like Brian Burns a lot, but you see Burns being able to do that for the Dolphins.
3: Yeah, obviously he's not as refined as an Ed Oliver. And I think everyone would agree on that. But I mean, a lot of people, the biggest gripe with him is his frame and how he has that weight that he has yet to build upon. So I think he does have the ability when watching him, uh, watching a little bit of his film against Miami and some of those other schools, you see him drop back in coverage. You see him play with his hand in the dirt. He stands up, he can play outside. Again, he's versatile, not to the stance that maybe an Ed Oliver, but I don't see Ed Oliver falling. I don't see Rashawn Gary falling. Would Steven Ross be licking his chops if Rashawn Gary fell into his lap? Absolutely, I believe he would. But for me, Brian Burns, he just he's explosive off the line. He's a, he's a natural pass rusher, and I don't, again, think he's as refined as Ed Oliver in doing some of those other things, but I definitely foresee him uh, building upon his frame and being able to do the, the similar things. It's just going to be a little bit down the way.
0: I really like the uh, polite idea. I think he's somebody that he has the quickness to be a pass rusher. He has the athleticism to be a pass rusher. But if he can bulk up just a little bit, I think he does become an outside linebacker in a 3-4 where he's able to cover, but he's able to pass rush off the edge too. So that's that's not a bad thought at all. I hadn't even thought about that. But he... He's definitely somebody that if you trade back,
2: you could definitely get and
0: probably be pretty happy about it. Yeah, let's I,
2: go ahead, Zion. I was going to say, let's uh, flip the line of scrimmage here because, you know, Kevin, you're one of the most prolific bald men that I know. I want to ask you about a fellow <laughs> bald person that we released, Jawan James. We have a gaping hole, right tackle. We have some holes at guard. What the hell are we going to do at offensive line now?
0: I think it really comes down to what do they d- decide Jesse Davis is. Um, I th- I like him staying at guard and trying to find a tackle that can probably be a swing tackle just in case Laramie Tunsil can't go all 16, but can start at right tackle for the most part. But if you tell me that they're going to slide Davis outside and just focus on guards, I-, I wouldn't say you're wrong there. I think he can do both. Um Obviously, Juwan Taylor would be an ideal guy that would be sitting there, but I think he goes way before the (laughs) Dolphins get a chance. Um, Somebody I like um, later on, probably Bradbury out of uh, NC State.
2: NC State, yeah.
0: Yeah. I I wouldn't mind him. Um,
2: Do you think there's any chance – Isaac Asiata is going to start at one of those guard positions. Kind of a forgotten dude.
0: He really is. And I I think that he has to be a depth option um, at the minimum this year because the team has put so much into him, even though obviously it wasn't this coaching staff. But the team has put so much into him that I think that he has to have a role. Um. If they move Davis to uh, out to the uh, uh, right tackle position, I could see that. I could see. I could. See, he, he 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 is a forgotten guy because I just don't know. He, he's just he's something right, yeah. like he, he's got to have talent. He has to have potential, but he just hasn't been able to get on the field. So I could see him at right guard, but I don't know.
2: Yeah, it definitely depends what the coaching staff does with Jesse Davis because he did have some good snaps at right tackle. I thought he had the athleticism to play that role. Uh, Clearly, the previous coaching regime went with the guard route and didn't go so well there. So it will be interesting to see if the coaching staff goes with that momentum and just say, hey, they've already kind of trained him at guard. Let's just go with that. Or if they think, hey, we – we believe we can make this guy into a right tackle that would determine how many guard spots are open and how desperate they're going to be to start someone like Isaac Asiata. But uh, you know, especially if we end up bringing in a young guy and say, we get a guy late day two, early day three, that we want to get some significant snaps towards the end of the season for whatever reason, whether Ryan Fitzpatrick's not playing well or injury or what have you, we don't want that guy to get killed the first couple snaps yeah. he's out there. So,
3: I, I just want to piggyback on the, uh, you know, you mentioned the greatest bald man in in the history of the world. Uh, who wins <laughs> in a triple threat match: Jawan James, uh, Kevin Nagle, <laughs> or Stone Cold Steve Austin?
2: <laughs> don't forget Laramie Tunsil too. I
3: would
0: probably go Laramie Tunstall, um <laughs> just because that man as, um as not meek isn't the right word, but as chill as he seems, that man scares me. Cause I'm pretty sure that if he, uh, if he's angry, he's going to tear you
2: apart. He could probably get the gas mask on and still probably win that.
0: <laughs>
1: I want to stick. <laughs> you guys are crazy. Um, I'm going bald. So I'll have a bald head too. I'll be joining the club pretty soon. Um, <laughs> I just want to kind of stay on this offensive line topic because this is another option for the dolphins. Let's not uh, fool ourselves here. You have basically the guy who thinks that everyone um, that Miami is really high on uh, for the right tackle position. And I think the right tackle position is important because if they go out and they get Tua in 2020, guess who is the blind side, the right tackle protector. um, So everyone's kind of linking Jonah Williams from Alabama to the Miami Dolphins, right? Uh, Some saying he can play left tackle, some playing he can say right tackle. One guy I think the Dolphins really, really like, who they've looked at numerous times throughout this draft process, have had private workouts, have sent uh, their offensive line coach up to see him, sent scouts up to see him, is Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. And if we know anything about the Patriots They love picking guys from the Northeast. They've picked guys from BC. They've picked guys from Rutgers. They've picked guys all over the place around them where they have an intimate feel for how these guys play, right? And if you're playing in the Northeast, if you're playing football on Northeast and you're on the offensive line, that stereotype of you is just going to be a mean, nasty, physical player. Chris Lindstrom can play guard. He could probably play tackle, can play center, I think, as well. He is a very versatile player who the Dolphins would love to plug and play and start from day one. He's another candidate for the Dolphins to trade down from 13 and select later in the first round. That's probably the safest pick the Dolphins can make if they were to go that route. Um, And I think it's a real possibility, and Dolphins fans should be bracing for that possibility as well. Your thoughts on that, Sutton?
2: You just caught me (laughs) mid-nacho.
3: Got him (laughs) mid-nacho.
2: Okay. (laughs) So so here's the thing you were were saying, you're saying the players in the Northeast, he's like a triple legacy at Boston college. I think his, his uncle played there and he plays on the offensive line with his brother. So there's, I mean, if that's true, then they're the thoroughbreds of the Northeast. So they should know that family pretty well. He also has experience at tackle and guard. So for going with Kevin's theory from earlier that we would be looking at offensive linemen that can play multiple positions, which isn't that crazy. You pretty much, I mean, let's be honest. If you're a backup offensive lineman, you have to know all five positions. You can only take six or seven with you on game day. So you have to know everything. So you really like the college guys that have the experience playing multiple positions. So he would be another candidate in in a trade down scenario, in my opinion.
0: I'll give you a guy that I I don't know that they would do this, but, would be kind of interesting is if they did move Davis out to right tackle, you could look at somebody like Eric McCoy, who is probably a center, but you could trade down, get him. He, you now have a backup center and you play him at right guard. Cause at left guard, you, you usually have the more athletic of the two guards, put him at right guard and let him anchor there. And then, you have a developmental center slash backup center that gives you some flexibility there as well. So you could to um, I, for me. I, I know that obviously the focus is tackles and guards. I keep looking at centers. That's why I look at somebody like Bradbury. That's why I look at somebody like McCoy. And I try to find the centers that can play guard. I know I'm backwards from probably what everybody else is doing right now, but that's just the way I've been looking at this draft is, I think that's the um, Mike Pouncey isn't with the team anymore, so I think that they need a center. Part of me trying to figure out how to plug the holes on the inner interior using centers.
3: We mentioned Northeast. One guy I want to mention is Connor Mcgovern from uh, Penn State. He's a guy that could go second, third round, like you guys have been talking about. He can play center, can play guard. The Dolphins are absolutely leaving this draft this in uh, two thousand nineteen uh with you know two maybe even three offensive linemen they'll be hitting it hard and undrafted uh free agents we know they're going to be filling the roster with tons of acorns uh but yes this offensive line needs a lot of work and it's going to be very interesting to see how you know this new england coaching t- can go out there and, and build this thing because you're not going to win many games without a with a makeshift offensive line we've learned that over the last decade
0: real quick before we uh jump to something else. I wanted to go back to uh, defensive ends just because um, you you brought him up and sort of touched on him and then moved on. But uh, Clown Farrell is somebody who was linked to the Dolphins really early. And it was, oh, the Dolphins would consider him if he was still on the board. He's somebody the Dolphins liked. And then that all just sort of disappeared. And it just – it was something that I noticed that it really quickly went away, and it felt like something got leaked, and then the Dolphins just kind of went, hey, stop that, and all talk of him disappeared, so I don't know if there's anything to that. I don't know if I'm reading too much into no news, but it just it seemed weird to me that he was somebody that there was stories that the Dolphins were, were liking, and then it just it vanished immediately.
2: I, m- I mentioned his name before the show, Kevin. Marion Hobby coming in with his experience at Clemson, a, the defensive line coach. If you had a gun in my head and we had to decide who the Dolphins were choosing at 13, my two choices were Cleveland Farrell, Christian Wilkins, both Clemson defensive linemen. I just think the shoe fits there.
1: That's a really interesting point on Cleveland Farrell. Yeah, I think it
0: does.
1: Um, Yeah, that's really interesting because I kind of say that for this reason. I I feel like I experienced that with Brian Flores and a few others experienced it too with Brian Flores. Um, So early on, like everybody was, everybody was on the Chris Richard uh, bandwagon there. And uh, several reports came out saying that Brian Flores had an unimpressive interview that um, Chris Richard was the main target shortly after amando salguero came out with the same report but then adam beasley refuted it and said that brian flores was the lead target or is the lead target and is the lead candidate um and then i received as we have talked about on the show information a few days later that said in fact brian flores was the guy but it was very mysterious in a way the way i was getting the information and it was mysterious uh some of the dolphins Actions on Twitter, not the organization, but people in the front office um, liking tweets and, you know, scoping through things and also a little weird in how once that report came out from Beasley, you really didn't hear much after that except speculation. So I kind of feel like and when you're mentioning that, Kevin, it just kind of brought me back to that, whereas it got leaked. Someone saw it. Someone put a stop to it. And we didn't hear much of it after that except speculation. So now the Dolphins 2 do draft feral on draft day. We're going to come back to this episode, and we're going to call Kevin uh, not only the best owner of the finsider.com, but the best insider <laughs> Dolphins Twitter has to offer, the best investigator. So we're going to keep an eye on that. That's a really good uh, takeaway.
0: Yeah, it's just it was just something that yeah jumped out at me that it was early. And then as much as you can see smoke screens and news of this guy or that guy, he just disappeared off the table yeah. so it's something that i've been watching but like you said to start the show there's just there's no news coming out of the team right now right it's locked down hard
1: yeah and i know that there are people on twitter all over the place all fans um who when you when you try to give some inside information they just come attack you at every angle and they're like give up your source um you don't give up your sources when you're giving <laughs> inside information and other people say have said to me over the years it's like how do i get inside information um I don't think there's really one way it's never black and white. It's never really, they come out and say, this is what's happening. It's more kind of connecting the dots and putting all the clues together, but it's also not a fun business as well. And we were having this conversation in one of our private chats the other day, getting inside information is not fun. Um, People may think it's fun. People may think it gets juicy and all that, but if you report the wrong thing, if you tweet the wrong thing, if you say the wrong thing, you can out your source. You can out the people giving up the information, and it can have a ripple effect if you're not careful. And that goes, you know, kind of what you're putting out there and how you're saying it and everything else. And then there's the, uh, also the risk that it doesn't come to light and people think you're full of it, but things change and things happen. So, so no, I don't enjoy giving inside information. Do I enjoy the rush of getting it? Sure. Do I enjoy putting it out there and then getting berated in my Twitter mentions for a few weeks until it finally happens? Absolutely. But anyways, you know, I just want to get off my soapbox there. Um, to wrap up the show here, th- go ahead, Kevin. I think one other thing just uh,
0: on that is also I think that people, people don't always realize that sometimes you can get information that you can't use because the right. person can give it to you but tell you, hey, you can't run with this. So you may know something, and you just can't say it. You can't do anything with it. And so, yeah, that's – it can be frustrating, but it's always good to have. And it allows things like sometimes, hey, you may have a draft written in the editor yep. that tells a story that just can't go anywhere yet.
1: Right. And I, I've had that happen to myself as well. <laughs> and, yeah, that's a frustrating part, too, because you want to run with it because you know nobody else is running with it, but they're not running it with it for a reason. And that's why. Yeah. Um, all right. To wrap up the show here. We've been going strong here. We've talked about offensive line, defensive end, a little bit of linebacker. And as we lead up to the draft, we're going to kind of do a full seven-round rundown of all the different positions the Dolphins can select once we put our consensus board together and kind of go through that. But I want to end on the quarterback. And we kind of started off with that at the top of the show, Kevin, with you and Dwayne Haskins. But I just want to kind of go around here and um, really talk about who the Dolphins can possibly select on day two? Because that's the Dolphins' preference right now. I know that much. They want to pick a quarterback on day two. They would not prefer to take one in round one. But if the board falls the right way, they may. We'll see. It's expected that Kyler Murray is going to the Cardinals. Dwayne Haskins, we have no idea. Drew Locke is expected to go to the Broncos, but that could be a smoke screen. And Daniel Jones is out there as well. Those four quarterbacks are going to go in the top 25, if not top 15 or top 20. The quarterback market is crazy when it comes to the drafts. We've seen it over and over and over again. Will Greer might even sneak into the first round at the end of there. Then you got other guys. You got guys like Ryan Finley from NC State. You got Tyree Jackson from Buffalo. You got Jared Stidham from Auburn. You got Brett Ripien from Boise State. You have Easton Stick from North Dakota who may be a later round pick at towards the end of day two, maybe even day three. So for you guys, and we'll start with Houts, then we'll go to Kevin, then we'll go to Sutton, and we'll end with myself. Um, how it's looking at those quarterbacks, who is your ideal day two candidate?
3: Yeah, I've been pretty consistent with, you know, how I rank these guys. I, I th- think Murray, then Haskins in the first. But when you talk about those day two guys, you said it best. Will Greer, that's my third guy. That's the guy I would target. But I think he's going to sneak into the first round. So then it leaves it up to the guy that I tweeted out some gifs of earlier today. I know Sutton lo- loves him. He's six seven, can run a 4.5940. I mean, he he needs to refine. He, his mechanics aren't the best, and someone needs to go out there and coach him and refine his skills. But Tyree Jackson, I mean, if you look at what he did at the Combine, this dude is a physical freak, and he's a guy that I see, you know, maybe sneaks into the late second, but I think he's going to be there in the third round. I think he's a guy the Dolphins can bring in. He can sit behind Fitzpatrick. You brought Fitzpatrick in there for a reason. Uh, you know, he, he, he has a gunslinger mentality. He's going to go out there, and he's going to make plays, but you brought him in here to – to lead that quarterback room and to develop this next guy up. What is it going to hurt to invest a third-round pick in a guy like Tyree Jackson? Again, he has all the intangibles you look for in a quarterback. The dude fits the Bill Parcells' physical traits. You know he's 6'7", but again, he runs a 4.59. The arm is out of this world. I think there was a video going around the internet where he threw the football out of the stadium. I mean, they loved Josh Allen last year. I don't see why they would not take a risk on Tyree Jackson. That is the guy I'm targeting on day two. And that's who I think the Dolphins should go after. I
0: Jackson was going to be my answer there. Um, I, I like Jackson. I think he's a guy that absolutely makes sense. And this is what um, today when I posted the uh, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay dueling mock draft, uh, somebody – I can't remember if it was a tweet or if it was a comment, but somebody was talking about uh, the Dolphins taking Finley in the second. And why would you take a scrub this early? What? Way too early, blah. But I think that's exactly the point. The Dolphins are getting a quarterback in probably second or third round that needs to be worked on because this is Fitzpatrick's team this year. Unless it all goes to hell and the quarterback looks, the rookie quarterback looks good. You bring in a rookie quarterback that needs development because the point is not him to become a starter. The point is for him to be the back backup and then next year when they grab a first-round quarterback, that's your starter. He has a guy that has some experience behind him and can push him, but that's your ideal. So I think Jackson makes a lot of sense. A guy that I like, and I know a lot of people have issues with him because Auburn was so bad, but I like Jarrett Stidham. I think he has talent, and I think he lost all his confidence because Auburn went to hell this year, and the offensive line was letting him down. He was getting crushed because of it. Their play calling was questionable throughout the year. So he's somebody who, again, you draft knowing that he's going to sit. He's going to be a developmental project. He's going to be a guy that you have to get his confidence back. And so that's a guy that, if it's not Jackson, I wouldn't mind going there and picking up Stidham.
2: Honestly, like both those names you guys have mentioned, I I would mention Ryan Finley too. But the guy I like... And I'm coming from the lens that the guy that we're going to draft this year is going to be someone that we actually groom to be a backup quarterback for us. And that's Clayton Thorson from Northwestern. I had a chance to interview him at the scouting combine and he made me aware of something that I really wasn't aware of before. Northwestern has some of the best quarterback play from the Big Ten in the NFL in recent memory. They've had Mike Kafka, who you might scoff at that. He's thrown 16 career passing attempts, but he stuck in the league for like six years as a backup quarterback. So you don't stick in the league for that long without bringing some value to a club. And then you have Trevor Simeon, too. He had a chance to start for the Broncos, had a a decent run there, but is probably best seen as a a pretty decent backup quarterback in the NFL. And I think uh, the Northwestern mold uh, encourages really smart quarterback play, and he has some athletic ability, too, and can make some throws. So I, I liked him from a mental standpoint, though I think he uh, understands how to play team football, and I, I just think he has the character necessary to kind of grind out a role in the NFL. So uh, I'm going to put some uh, some of my stock on Clayton Thorson from Northwestern.
1: All right, and I'm going to go with Houts on this one. I'm going to go with Tyree Jackson because I've looked at the uh, intangibles on this dude, and his measurables at the combine and at his pro day and everything else have been off the charts. And when you look at a guy like that, I mean the potential, the athletic potential is there. Now can they rein him in and make him the quarterback they need him to be. And I tweeted earlier uh, Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon when uh, they, the report came out. The dolphins had scouts at Tyree Jackson's um, workout and the dude is an absolute phenom. And he has a very, very low ce- uh, floor and a sky-high ceiling. And in a way, that's Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? I'm not saying that Tyree Jackson's career is going to turn out like that and is trajected tra- to be in that direction. What I am saying is Ryan Fitzpatrick, we're going to see games this year from Fitzpatrick where he throws for over 500 yards and like five touchdowns. And then we're going to see games where he throws for about three to five interceptions and no touchdowns. And so it's just wildly inconsistent. And I know Fitzpatrick wasn't necessarily a Dolphins first choice. They kicked the tires on Teddy Bridgewater. They looked at guys like Terod Taylor. But even those guys, the floor is very low. The ceiling is sky high. And all of them, uh, besides really Fitzpatrick, who, who isn't the least unathletic either, though, all those guys are athletic. Terod Taylor, scrambling quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, People think he's a scrambling quarterback, but he's really not. But he's still a very athletic quarterback. And then you got a guy like Tyree Jackson. And I think if if you're looking for someone to groom under Fitzpatrick, I think Tyree Jackson is like the perfect prototypical guy uh, that could be there. And, And I think the Dolphins will take a good hard look at Jackson, and perhaps that could be their pick. And I'd be absolutely stoked with that because he has a ton of potential.
3: Yeah, another name we got to throw it, out there is Easton else? Stick. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people are talking about him. I think CK was the first one on it. But Easton Stick's a guy that's catching a lot of uh, hype, and I think he has all the potential to be a solid NFL backup.
0: Does anybody else find it funny that the talk is Kyler Murray at 5'10", and Tyree Jackson at 6'7"? <laughs> <seven>? That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> those... those... Those would be the two quarterbacks that everybody's talked about for the Dolphins based on what we've talked about. <laughs> Kyler Murray obviously jumping all the way up to number one now probably, but yeah. <laughs> Kyler Murray, is he going to be 5'10"? Now you've got a guy that we're talking about, Tyree Jackson, that's
3: 6'7", and is he too tall? So and yeah. I, I think we fun. need to go around, and uh, would you guys trade for Josh Rosen? I, I've said it before that I would. I think the Dolphins should definitely inquire about that, but would would you guys trade for Josh Rosen? Absolutely. Without a doubt, yes.
2: I would. Yeah, it would obviously be one of those things where the the compensation that we'd have to give up would have to make sense, but I think you'd absolutely engage in the in the talks and kind of see what happens.
0: I didn't like Josh Rosen coming out of the draft. Um, if, if you're telling me that the Dolphins are giving up a third or a fourth or something like that to get him, okay, I understand that, but I would not be looking at a first or a second to get him. Um, I just... I don't know. I've, I've just, I, I can't place my finger on what it is. I liked him more than some of the quarterbacks that came out, but I just, Rosen never did it for me last year. And I, I like I said, I wouldn't be against getting him if the price is right, but he's not somebody that I am going all in to go get if, if he becomes available.
3: I think ultimately the giants give up one of their first round picks for him, but I think, uh, I know we had Tony Pauline on here last year, and he said the Dolphins, he was very adamant about the Dolphins, like Josh Rosen, you know, reports after the draft suggest maybe they did not. But, I mean, that's a guy who went went pretty high last year, top 10, top 11. What was he, the 10th or the 11th overall pick? Either way, I mean, that's a guy that the Dolphins, if you can get him for a second-round pick, I know that, that you don't agree yeah. with that, Kevin, but I think that's my ceiling there, and I, I would absolutely make that trade.
1: We're going to see how this all shakes out over the next three weeks as we lead into the NFL Draft. The NFL Draft begins round one, April 25th, goes on the 26th and the 27th. 22 days away as we record this on Wednesday evening. Round one on Thursday, rounds two, three, and four on Friday, five, six, and seven on Saturday. Dolphins looking to trade back throughout the draft, looking at stockpile picks for 2020, looking to make the right moves and solidify their offensive and defensive lines. Who's it going to be at 13? Is it going to be a defensive end or a linebacker or a defensive tackle or possibly cornerback, or is it going to be an offensive lineman? And then what if Dwayne Haskins falls to 13 or gets in that striking range? Will the Dolphins be tempted to take Haskins? We're going to see that all play out over the next few weeks. Lots of questions to be answered. Lots of scenarios to run through as we come to you over the next three weeks leading up to the draft. We're going to talk more about the other positions, about what possibly the Dolphins can do throughout all seven rounds of the draft. We're going to have some special guests now. We're going to try to lure in some people to talk to you about these prospects. And we're also going to have the latest rumors and inside information, not probably about the Dolphins, because as we said, the information is tight but around the NFL and things that we've been hearing. Any last thoughts out Sutton and Kevin?
2: Kevin, thanks for joining us tonight, brother.
3: Hey, yeah, absolutely. I just want to thank a lot of fun. Yeah, I just want to thank Kevin. I mean, everything that you've done for us. I mean, you give us a platform to talk. We we get together. I mean, I wouldn't know these two guys if it wasn't for you. Thank you for the opportunities that you've given all of us. Thanks, man.
0: Absolutely. Not a problem. Happy to do it and happy to have you guys. One, representing the FinSider. Two, as the flagship on the pin podcast network and then three just getting to know you guys since you've joined the site so yeah absolutely
1: and uh I, I will say that yes thank you but also uh you suck because now i'm forced to meet Houts and Sutton, and really they're not fun at all so uh when i do see them in person it's, it's not a great <laughs> time for me yeah we're gonna punch you in the winner next time okay? <laughs> We, we had to go find Sutton in Kentucky when uh, we went down to Cleveland to say, or Cincinnati leave? for the Dolphins game. So uh, All that stress you put on me and, and my buddies as we were about to call his wife and tell her that we could not find him four hours after the game. <laughs> and then he walks in the hotel room and he says, I walked to Kentucky,
0: boys. <laughs> okay, so one thing I meant to bring up yeah. and I didn't before we go is, so I know you guys get messages and you get interaction on Twitter and stuff, but... I just want to let you know, I have gotten three different interactions, two on Twitter, one in email that have told me that for our podcast, the thing that I need to fix as the flagship show, (laughs) as the ones out there carrying the show is I have to teach my guys how to say the word (laughs) (laughs) quarter. Yep. Oh my God.
3: Say say it, Kanata. What
2: what do the Dolphins need? (laughs)
1: The Dolphins need a quarterback. <laughs> I don't
2: think that's funny at all. I literally don't know what word you just said. Quarterback.
1: Quarterback.
2: Qua- quarterback. Kev,
3: <laughs> yeah, do you really get, really get
0: interactions? I have. I literally have gotten interactions about it.
3: Oh, that is hilarious. I thought it was going to be something bad about us, and it's just you. Yeah, I was,
1: bracing, I was bracing myself. <laughs> Oh, man. Quarterback. I'll figure it out one day. All right. Kev, thanks for joining (laughs) us here on FinCator Radio. That's going to do it for us. For Aaron Sutton, Joshua Houts, and our special guest, Kevin Nogle. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.